Welcome to another episode of the Get Back Coach presented by Apollo Media. It is good to be back, but there are a lot of things that we need to talk about. Uh, The biggest headline from this past weekend, Northwestern football is in some massive turmoil. Uh, We have hazing allegations against the football program. Also that Pat Fitzgerald knew about hazing allegations and even may have encouraged the hazing to take part. Jay, um, initial thoughts on the Northwestern because you almost went to Northwestern. Yeah, I was, I was very close uh, to going to Northwestern. They were, uh, they were my number two behind Texas A&M. But I mean, initial thoughts are just, you know, it's, there's no place for this in college football, right? Mm -hmm. There's no place for, for these kinds of things. You know, it's college football is tough to make it, it, make it through as is, right? Like Mm -hmm. the, the things you have to go through day in, day out, put a toll on, on your psyche and, you know, hazing and and things of that nature. uh, There, it's just not necessary. You know, I mean, there's, there's no, there's no reason for it. And, you know, obviously we're not going to dive into this too much, but uh, it's just, there's, there's no place for it in college football. And, you know, I think uh, it's, or college football or anywhere else in life. Yeah. Let me put that out there too. Uh, It's, we, we've, gone beyond the need for that and not that there was ever a need in the first place but uh it's disappointing you know and obviously anytime allegations like these happen you you need to take them very seriously mm-hmm. um you know it's it's young kids lives that are at stake and uh <clears throat> you know i just i i don't like seeing this i don't no. like uh uh the fact that kids are going through this. So uh, that's my initial thoughts on the matter. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely not good. Um, I mean, I've been uh, driving the, the Pat Fitzgerald butts for a while. And and this is really disappointing, really disappointing for me that, and and the thing is, and there was another report that came out yesterday um, from a former player. And I, I honestly, Again, you have to kind of believe everything to start and then go from there. Um, But this last one seems like it's the closest to the truth that we have. It seemed like it was very non-biased because there are some good words said about Pat Fitzgerald towards the end of it. But it sounds like at at best, Pat Fitzgerald was complicit with it, that he knew at least something there was some sort of hazing going on, but kind of just let it go and kind of kept the blinders on because no one really told him about it, which, you know, if, if it's happening under your watch, you you know, you, you have to step down, you have to be fired. Um, uh, And we're, we're going to talk about hot seats today later on in the episode. And, you know, Pat Fitzgerald, it's it sounds like his hot seat was hot before this. Now with all of this happening, it, I don't think I, I think it's he's he's done. He's going to be done at Northwestern, and probably forever. Maybe I, who knows? Yeah, and, and look, 
part of the reason that this is so disappointing is because of uh, the reputation that Pat Fitzgerald had mm-hmm. in, in college football. Uh, and, and this is a problem that I have. I think a lot of people have is we have a tendency to see these, these college football head coaches as, as larger than life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think one thing you said before we went on, and, and it's something that I think a lot of people have to understand is a person can do a lot of good things, mm-hmm. uh, and be a great human being in some aspects of their life and, and turn around and, and have something like this happen. Humans are, are fallible. We, we are people that there's a lot of shades of gray, mm-hmm. right? So when, when something like this happens, that's, you know, obviously very disappointing and, and people are rushing to defend him because of what they've seen. I mean, mm-hmm. just because oh. you've seen one example of a person, uh, doesn't mean you've seen the whole human being. And, you know, mm-hmm. this isn't to get holier than thou and say that I'm perfect by any means, but mm-hmm. just because somebody has been a fantastic example for for their entire life or uh ha- have done these incredible things doesn't mean that they aren't capable of doing things that are less than uh mm-hmm. less than stellar so yeah i i it, it's something that i think we have a an issue with with as as people that just see these coaches and athletes and i mean even in our own personal lives parents or, or family members or whoever that we we just see these people in a positive light and kind of don't recognize the shades of gray that are capable in 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 mankind oh absolutely <laughs> Not to get too philosophical on you no absolutely no absolutely i mean they're i mean anybody in life uh and there are going to be people that say, well, I've known, you know, Pat for, you know, or I've seen him do these things. Like, and I'm not talking about just fans, like people close to the university. I get the, the last player said that, you know, he was in high regard, you know, did all these wonderful things, not just winning on the football field at Northwestern, but like other things as well. But in this aspect, he was, he was complicit. Or, and he should have dug deep if if any of these allegations are even remotely true he, he should have at least dug deep and you know just either just let it let it to the locker room but it's it's not good it's really disappointing as a person who's liked Pat Fitzgerald for a very long time but you know, it's, it's something he's, he's going to have to answer to. Um, and it's going to be more than, than two week, two weeks suspension during the dead period, which that's what this initially was. Um, and there's going to be a full investigation and there's more stuff coming out about Northwestern. Their baseball team now is under fire. Um, another player for the football team said that there was, a little bit of prejudice going on in the locker room. You know, Pat Fitzgerald and coaches were telling uh, players with dreads they needed to cut their dreads, but then allowed other uh, white players to keep their long hair. So y- y- there is a mountain of there's a mountain of HR and just there's a lot of go. It's a dumpster fire right now at Northwestern, not just in the football program, but in athletics and with the institution because of the president and everything it's, it is not good. So don't know how this is going to shake out. 
I don't think we're going to see Pat Fitz. I don't, I don't know if he's going to make the week. Who knows? By, by the time this airs, he might, he might be gone. Yeah. Uh, I, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I, it's again, just, uh, it's disappointing. And, and, mm-hmm. and more importantly, I think, uh, you know, our hearts go out and thoughts go out to the victims just because it's, you know, it's, it can affect people in a lot of ways long-term and, and mm-hmm. I, I think we're both, uh, both proponents of mental health and, and this absolutely. is something that, uh, can have an incredibly negative impact on that. So, Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's not good. And like you said, there, there's, there are lasting, uh, ramifications mentally if, you are someone who has, you know, gone through something like this. But we are going to shift gears a little bit. Um, San Diego State is crawling back to the Pac-12. Um, the Pac-12 has had San Diego State as a kind of a priority after USC and UCLA confirmed their departure. But now it's looking like they're not going to be admitted to the Pac-12. And now you might sit there and think, oh, well, who cares? They can just go right back to the Mountain West. Well, the Mountain West believes that they already left, and they did. And they owe the conference $17 million. So are the Aztecs going to have a home? Like, what's going to happen here? <laughs> I think the Aztecs will find a home somewhere. Uh, but they did not do themselves any favors here by uh, by not guaranteeing that they were <laughs> were had a spot mm-hmm. and, and you look at this and I mean the momentum that San Diego state has had at first you have the, the new football stadium, uh, the success they've had in basketball, obviously, you know, being on the cusp of a championship, mm-hmm. they had so much momentum in athletics. And now <laughs> it feels like it's kind of a joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously I don't mean that like the athletes are, uh, are something to laugh at, but I just mean the administration here just, Oh yeah. I mean, like from an image standpoint, this is not a good look for San Diego state. And that's, I think this is kind of a program that we both enjoy kind of, kind of enjoy as as third parties. Like this is a, it's, it's kind of weird to see this. It is. And and like you said, basketball team has been great, which I think was a big part of that move. I, I know football, their football program is it's decent. It's, it's a solid program um, that they have the new stadium, which is beautiful, by the way, does have, <laughs> although someone, problem- some would say they still need that, uh, that cover over the yeah, stadium. They, right? they still need a cover because it is extremely hot. It gets extremely hot there. Uh, people were, you know, passing out in, in the, the, the opening game last year, but yeah, San Diego state. Uh, and I know this sounds, this probably sounds trivial, but you know, really cool uniforms, new stadium, basketball team's good. Football team is, you know, solid. This is a team. This is a program that could fit in the pac 12, but you say you leave. And I guess they left at a time where they could get a discount on what they owed the conference. So they leave, resign, and now, and now they're trying to crawl back. It's like, and I, I shouldn't take credit for this because I saw this in a video, of it's the Seinfeld 
episode where <laughs> where George where George Costanza yeah George Costanza re- resigns or, or quits and then over the weekend he tries to get his job back and acts like nothing ever happened but quit yeah what what Who? <laughs> you took that seriously oh you that you just don't know my sense of humor yeah that's literally what's happened with San Diego State where do you think they if the if the Mountain West says no you're not coming back with um, the American, right? Uh, I, I think, you know, the American is probably your best hope because uh, the, the Big 12 is probably going to pass too because they have bigger fish. Thing. Yeah. It, it's just, you know, and and things could shake out with the Pac-12 and make it a little bit, uh, make them a little bit more likely to grab San Diego State. But uh, yeah, it's just, this is the the worst optics possible for the Aztecs, unfortunately. Like, like what's going on in these administrations? <laughs> like, no, like seriously, like we just talked about two things here where you have the president looking at everything Pat Fitzgerald is being accused of and saying, oh, we're going to suspend him during the two weeks for the, during the dead week. And then going back and saying, you know what? I guess I didn't, I didn't think about it hard enough. Like you can't do that. Yeah. And then, and the thing is like, you can suspend indefinitely without pay. Yeah. And then like until everything, until everything is shaken out. Like if he would have said, Hey, we're going to suspend him until everything shakes out fine. But now, Oh, we're going to lay a suspension on him. But then, Oh, now we're going to go back. That looks terrible on the administration's part. And then you have now San Diego state making this move basically saying, Hey, we're leaving without securing the new destination. So who knows, but yeah, not great. San Diego state. I imagine they'll go into the American. I don't know how that would be division wise or if they can even do that. Yeah. Because if they go into, because if they have to go independent, you're looking at a scheduling nightmare. Cause then you'd have to schedule I don't know. Would they lose their schedule? Yeah, I, I, I guess. I mean, would they the lose the Mountain West schedule for this year? I, I mean, they won't use it. They won't. No, it'll be next year. It'll be twenty twenty four. It'll be twenty twenty four. So but, they could probably shake something out with the American yeah. before that happens. The American, or I mean, you know, I, I think the American would take them, but I mean, mm-hmm. worst case scenario, I think you're looking at. At CUSA, San Diego State. Oof. San Diego. San Diego. Oh, you know what, though? San Diego State versus UTSA would be. Oh, no, wait. Did, did, nope. UTSA's in, UCSA's UTSA. in the some, or In the American now. In the American now. I get confused now. Because teams, they used to be in the Sun Belt. Now they're in the Conference USA. I, I, I do think the American would pick up San Diego yeah. State, though. Yeah. The Aztecs. get Get it together. Oh, Jay, you're up. F- FCS Minute. Yeah, the this is the FCS Minute presented by Pocket Talk, the Sports World's Fair coming to Houston in 2024, April 4th through 7th. Pocket Talk. Again, that's my full-time job, so uh, please support us. We need it. Or I need it at least. I don't really think they need it, but I need it. Top four for FCS. Uh, so I have been doing my research, 
trying to decide who I think is going to be the the top four teams in FCS this year. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of good squads. Uh, there usually is, uh, but the four I've kind of zoned in on are South Dakota State, reigning champs, obviously hoping to come back. Uh, they lose their coach, but they still have a lot of talent returning. Obviously, uh, Tucker Craft at tight end's gone, but you know that that program is what that program is. They're always going to be a contender. The uh, the Dakota marker rivalry, obviously North Dakota State, their uh, cross border opponent. The Bison are going to be a, an elite program once again. I think you'll see uh, you'll see both of those schools near the top. <clears throat> I have Incarnate Word. Uh, as my number three program going into the season, uh, obviously GJ Kenny's moved on to uh, to Texas State, and I think he's going to do great things there. But I think Incarnate Word has kind of established a a culture of offense there, and I think that offense is still going to present a lot of problems for uh, for other teams in the FCS. And then I also have Montana State up there, who was another one of the great programs last year. Uh, I think uh, the Bobcats are going to be a, a real force in the Big Sky Conference and. You know, obviously, Missouri Valley Football Conference and, and the uh, Big Sky have, have tended to produce really good FCS programs the past few years. I don't see that changing in any way. A couple of programs to watch, in my opinion, Eastern Kentucky, I think could be a, a real uh, good program in FCS. And then uh, I'm also looking at Southeastern Louisiana, who was uh, Incarnate Words one regular season loss last year, I think. Another good program. Uh, to watch in the FCS and we'll dive into it more. I think we'll do like some conference breakdowns going forward uh, so that we can kind of, you know, really, really give the FCS the shine that they deserve. But uh, yeah, that's our FCS minute presented by pocket talk, the sports world's fair. That was lovely. I I was a little surprised with incarnate word. You think they have enough coming back? I do. I I think they're going to be, and and I think that even though there's turnover in the coaching staff, they've, it's a similar identity. Mm-hmm. Right. That uh, I mean, and obviously I'm a little bit biased here, too. I'll just, you know, admit that I have former teammates on staff there uh, in Connor McQueen and Kenny Hill. Uh, so part of me is is probably just rooting for those guys. But uh, I, I do think Incarnate Word is going to be uh, a very good program still in, in, in 2023. If they were as half as fun to watch as they were last year, they should still have a pretty good year. Yeah, if if you're. You're listening right now and you have, if you don't really watch FCS football or you kind of really know the Dakotas or whatever, check out Incarnate Word or at least check out some of the highlights from last year's team because it's super fun to watch. It is high paced air ray. It's airing out the football. It's electricity. It's beautiful. It's, it's, it was a lot of fun to watch last year. Got to kind of make you excited if you're a Texas state fan too. Oh, absolutely. The Bobcats, man. Um, they need a little bit of help too. So that, that'll be nice. Um, so the whole thing of this episode, this episode, we're going to talk about hot seats here, which is crazy coincidence that we're talking about uh, Pat Fitzgerald. Um, so we're actually going to start with the Big Ten. And, and we already talked. Pat Fitzgerald's seat is so hot right now. It was hot before the allegations it's even hotter now. And like we said before, he might be fired before this even airs. So just letting you know, but we don't have to talk about any further. Pat Fitzgerald Northwestern's kind of been on a downward trend the last two years. 
And, you know, now with these all the allegations, I think things, I think there may be time for a change here. So anyway, Pat Fitzgerald, hot seat. Jay, who do you have from the Big Ten before we get into anyone else? Yeah. I mean, obviously we've we've talked Pat Fitzgerald ad nauseum. I think he's going to be gone pretty soon. And mm-hmm. so I'm not even considering it a hot seat. I'm just considering it. I'm checking it off the list. Okay. You know, Tom Allen has had more success at Indiana <laughs> than, than a lot of people have. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, it's just, I mean – it looks kind of bleak in Bloomington, and uh, I, I think uh, I think his seat's probably pretty hot right now. You know what? And it's unfortunate that again he has to play three top five teams, you know, or top ten teams, you know, uh, with you know Penn Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State. So it's going to be rough this year. Here's the one thing going for Indiana. A lot of their seniors from last year are taking an extra year. So they do have that veteran, that veteran presence. I think they're going to fight their tails off for Tom Allen. I just don't see the talent there. Do you think six and do you think a bowl game saves Tom Allen? I think a bowl game saves Tom Allen. I just don't think they get there. I don't think so either because I think Rutgers is going to be better. You know, Michigan state's going to be down, but I don't think they're going to be as down as much as people think they're going to be. Uh, Maryland's going to be decent. It's going to be a really tough division for, for Indiana. Um, yeah, I just, I just don't think they're going to get there. Um, it's just not, again, they do have veterans, so maybe they can piece something together, take advantage of maybe some young teams, but I don't see Tom Allen making it. How about this guy? How about Mel Tucker? Mel Tucker is a curious situation. I don't think his seat is hot, but I think it's getting warm. Okay. You have a great year in 2021. 2022 then comes around and now you're, they've, I mean, five wins. So they kind of took a nosedive with, a veteran Peyton Thorne at quarterback. Peyton Thorne is not there anymore. Um, this team has a good front uh, on defense. Secondary is still rough. Again, tough division. And Mel Tucker also has a giant bailout because they threw all the money at him after that 2021 year. Where would you rank it? If we're going to have, how hot is the seat? I think it's, I honestly, with with Mel Tucker, I think it's still probably room temperature. I don't think it's that hot yet. Okay. Now, five wins this year. Then it's then it's hot. Then it's hot. So we you're gonna go from room room to hot. I think we're getting warm, but same thing with you. They don't make a bowl. It's gonna be hot. They don't make a bowl again in 2024. Then it's gonna we're gonna be talking about bailouts. I think. Yeah. Because. You know, again, 2020 is a very strange. I I don't even like to really hold that against a lot of coaches, but they weren't good in 2020. 2021, they were fantastic year. I think they got 11 wins. I think they had 11 wins with the win against Pitt. And then, you know, you, you lay an egg at five and seven. 
But who knows? There is talent on there is talent in that front seven to maybe get some things done. But we will see. And really in the Big Ten, I mean, that's really it for me. Listen, if you're sitting there saying Ryan Day is on the hot seat, I, I stop. Those people exist, Jay. Yeah, I know. The Ryan Day hot seat people, you know, he's lost what three Big Ten games in <laughs> four years or whatever, or five years. Listen, Ryan Day has Ohio State as a top five team and was a play away, literally a play away from going to the college football playoff. But because Ohio State fans have been spoiled for so long with beating the crap out of Michigan and just as routine going to the Big Ten Championship, they're they're losing their minds, okay? And I will say, Ryan Day's comment at Big Ten Media Day last year saying a lot of teams would think it's a success to win 11 games and win the Rose Bowl with a Rose Bowl, but that's not at Ohio State. That right there, that comment, even though it's kind of the right thing to say in their world, might come back to bite them because yeah. people will use that as, He's not living up to his own expectations. Fire him. So I'm just saying, Ryan Day, he's a great coach. Probably a top five coach. Maybe. I think top five, top ten. Yeah, definitely in the top ten. Yeah. I think he's maybe top eight. We can I think top eight's at worst. That's fair. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Ryan Day. He, Room temp, not even room temperature. It's 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 coolish. It's coolish. Let's go to the ACC. Let's go to the ACC. I'm gonna start this one off with a guy who I think has the hottest seat in the ACC, and that is Jeff Halfley. And let's just take a look at Jeff Halfley here. Jeff Halfley at Boston College, um, has an overall record of 15 and 20. Okay. Now you might think, well, you know, it's Boston College. It's hard. You know, Steve adult. Uh, is Adazio. it a Ado- Adaz- Adazio or Adazio? I always Adazio, Adazio. I say Adazio. I say Adazio. It could be Adazio. Steve Adazio was fired for going 500. He was 44 and 44 in his career at Boston College. Okay. And they said, eh, he's, Things are a little stale. They wanted to get over the six-win, seven-win hump, so they go hire Jeff Halfley. Jeff Halfley hasn't done really anything, and I like Jeff Halfley. I thought that was this is gonna this was gonna work out. So, Jeff Halfley is fifteen and twenty with an overall record. This is a make-or-break year. This is a make-or-break year. If he doesn't get to seven wins, I think he's gone. Not even 500, not even a bowl game is going to save him. If he doesn't get to seven wins, I think Jeff Halfley's gone. Yeah. And I think the the real issue, too, is I think a lot of people kind of saw Boston College as a bit of a dark horse last year, right? Like, I did. Yeah. I, I think I did as well, mm-hmm. uh, especially with uh, the uh, the quarterback. Is it Yurkovich? Or is that the, the kid's name? Yeah, Yurkovich. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We thought that he was going to be, and it just seemed like they regressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in year three as a head coach, uh, you go from six and seven to 
to three and nine, and it's uh, or sorry, six and six to three and nine, and it's it's a disappointment, I think. And I think you're right. I think his his seat there is pretty hot. Uh, you go 500 again, and I don't I don't think you're coming back for for another year. And obviously, there's you know there's some intricacies there. Like if it's a slow start to the season and he closes extremely strong, you know maybe he uh, upsets one of the bigger programs in the ACC. It could give him a little bit of a life raft, but I, I just think that he's got to be above 500 to, to have hope to, to keep that job and, and, and be the coach there in 2024. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and Jorkovic is gone. He's at Pitt. Yeah. So and he was like your guy. And I, I don't know. It, it's going to be tough. I, again, I thought Jeff Halfley would, would, um, would work out. I loved his fire when they had to play Mizzou and, and Drinkowitz, and we'll talk about him later. Uh, kind of took a shot at the state of Massachusetts. It, kind of a smug shot, um, Adam, with recruiting. But yeah, I, I just think I think Halfley has the hottest seat there in the ACC. So, how about this guy? How about Dino? Dino Babers in Syracuse. Jay, what do you, what do you think about Dino? Man, what might have been last year, huh? It started off good. Yeah, it did. It did. And here's the thing. It is tough to deal with injuries. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, you know, I think if, if that Syracuse team stays healthy last year, I think it's a different story. But uh, it's that's something that everybody deals with. And, and, and you know, you, you start the season off with – six straight wins, including a huge win against NC state. And really they were very close to beating Clemson as well. Yeah. Like, let's not forget that. I think if they win that game, it's, it's, we're having they, a they gave a good, different conversation. Yeah. They, they put up a very big, they put up a big fight against them. I think cl- towards the end of that game, Clemson kind of started to take control a little bit, but no, they, they went toe to toe with, with the big dog, with the big dog in the conference. And, but I, again, it's, you know, Syracuse just hasn't been good uh, since 2018 when they went 10 and three. And you look at every other season besides that, you know, 2022 is the only year they've had a winning record. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, unfortunately I do think this, uh, this seat's getting pretty warm for, for Dino Babers here at Syracuse. Yeah. So here's the big question, because no one really knows too much about his contract. That's kind of under wraps. Uh, a lot of people have speculated that his contract is going to be up in 2024. So again, say he goes six and six, both of these, these next two years, or maybe a five and seven and a six and six. Are you going to extend him? I don't think they extend him. I think he has to have a really, really good season to get extended. I think he has to have like another one of those 2018, 10 and three seasons, which to be fair is doable in the ACC in my mind. Uh, but I think, I think a, a 500 or a, a seven and six, I just don't think that does enough. No, I think eight keeps him safe. I yeah. think eight wins. Listen, I think a lot of people, especially people in, that that is a basketball school. Football is secondary there, but they still have that rich history. If, if he can consistently win seven and eight wins every year, seven and eight, that's, 
the you know maybe get a nine every once in a while, maybe drop to a six, or maybe you have a down year with a five. Your losing season is forgiven if you give an eight win year. And that's what he has to balance because right now it's too lopsided. He has too many bad seasons to match that one good one. Yep. Um, And last year looked really good. And then the wheels fell all the way off the wagon. Yeah. And that's kind of all it takes, right? Just uh, one one bad year or one, uh, one string of bad luck can, uh, can really turn a season around. And absolutely. Again, it's, it's unfortunate that he hasn't had the luck. I mean, 2020, you know, a one in 10 year, Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at overall record 36 and 49, 18, 39 in, in conference. Right. Uh, it's, it's just, it's just not enough. No, uh, especially like you mentioned, Syracuse, a basketball school, but does have that history. Does have a rich football history. All right. Next two guys. I think we should talk about together because they are both in the same state and they both are very similar here. Tony Elliott and Brent Pry, both first year coaches in the state of Virginia, uh, Brent Pry at Virginia tech, um, Tony Elliott at Virginia, both were highly sought after coordinators from big time programs, Brent Pry from Penn state, Tony Elliott from Clemson. And when they got there, the, the cupboard was pretty bare. They were all, they were both kind of dealing with, you know, roster. I want, I don't want to say roster issues, but not enough talent, especially on the offensive side of the ball in Virginia Tech. You know, unfortunately, with Tony Elliott's situation um, off the field as well, with a um, with 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 the shooting incident, which is just unfathomable from a program to go to go through. These guys aren't sitting on the hot seat because I think both athletic departments understand that. Hey, this is going to take some time to rebuild. I think especially Virginia tech, it looks really bad. And, you know, Brent Pry is a defensive coach. I think their defense is going to be okay, but he's got to get someone to take control of that offense because that offense is no bueno. Uh, what's your thoughts? Yeah, they're not on hot seats just by nature of it being one year into the program. I think uh, both of these programs needed pretty big rebuilds, especially with, uh, you know, the amount of transfers that Virginia had uh, after Bronco, Bronco Mendenhall uh, decided to, to hang it up. And then with Virginia Tech, I mean, a lot of people thought Fuente was going to be successful there. Obviously, that didn't work out. And, and you know, going back to the Beamer years, I think is the last time we've seen a, a, a really successful Virginia Tech. It's been a minute since they've uh, uh, lived up to the expectations that their fan base has. But, again, you, you don't – generally fire a coach after two years unless there's some really behind the scenes issues going on. I don't really see that from either of these guys. So uh, I I think their seats are are still relatively cool compared to some other programs in the ACC. No, uh, absolutely. Let's move on to the SEC. You are our SEC our SEC man, <laughs> allegedly, um, allegedly an SEC man. I don't think you're. Fu- I don't think you're fully accepted in. I don't. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think you're fully an SEC. You're a Texas man. But anyway, we got some hot seats in the SEC. Let's start off 
let's start off with your alma mater. Let's start off with Texas A&M. Uh, how hot is Jimbo's seat? It's very hot. I know we look at the massive buyout that, that A&M has uh, for Jimbo. Uh, that's not going to be an issue. Again, like knowing, knowing A&M boosters and, and how much of a shot to the ego uh, they have, it's it's going to be like if the season goes poorly, things are things are going to move in a hurry. With that being said, I do think A and M is going to be much better in twenty twenty three. Not that they can be much worse. Uh, not that they can be much worse, but uh, I do think they get above eight wins and Jimbo keeps his spot. But it is still a very very hot seat for Jimbo Fisher and College Station. Yeah, it's 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 a, like. Uh... Santana and smooth or Rob Thomas. It's a hot one. (laughs) Yeah. Jimbo. It was bad last year, but I think the offense is going to be better. Um, I think the defense is going to be good. Um, They, I think they have the most talent coming back in the sec. They have the high percentage of starters coming back. So that's a good sign. And yeah, I think, I think Texas A&M can get to nine wins. Nine wins, yeah. decent bowl game. Jimbo holds off the oil tycoon money that is looking at his buyout. Yeah, and, and the other thing too is, I mean, you, you go through three different quarterbacks. There's injuries all over the place. I mean, hell, when you came down for the Florida game, I think there was something like some ridiculous amount of starters were out because of illness going yes. to the locker room too. So it's there was a lot of bad luck last year, and then uh, also the offensive flaws that hopefully, uh, if you're an A&M fan, Bobby Petrino kind of uh, remedies a little bit, which is, you know, that's going to be interesting to see how that works too. But it's a, it's a kind of a make-or-break year for Jimbo. Uh, I think he has a chance to, to lessen the, the temperature of the, the seat, as it were. Uh, but uh, for now, it's it's pretty hot. All right. Let's now go to one guy. And, you know, Jay, you and I spread a lot of positivity on this podcast. Okay. <laughs> we try. We don't try and be very negative. We, we don't try and beat the dead horse. I am not a fan of Eli Drinkwitz. I am not. Okay. Uh, I think he is arrogant for someone who their biggest claim to fame is is you know winning 11 games at app state where guys before hey, you, he won 12 12 games at app state where people before you have already done okay uh and did it one year and then skedaddled out so eli drinkowitz has never finished a year with a winning record the team is a hundred percent drinkowitz right now 100 made by eli and I think this is the best chance they've had to get, you know, seven, eight wins. I think their defense is going to be sneaky good. Don't know how their offense is going to be. I don't know. I just, he rubs me the wrong, he rubs me the wrong way. <laughs> and I, I'm not saying I'm praying for his downfall, but I wouldn't be upset if they went six and seven again and he's fired. Cause again, he has to get to seven, eight wins. He has to, I don't think Mizzou can keep him if he gets seven or less. 
I, yeah, I think eight wins is is the threshold here, and and we'll see how it goes. Uh, I, I I will say that you know as much as you're not a fan of the the drinkwits uh, up in Mizzou, uh, you do have to have some some heels in uh, in college football. He plays it well. He does play it well. It, it is fun. It is fun. I, I I enjoy it, even if I'm not the biggest fan of it. I think uh, it does make for some uh, some fun interactions with the media. The uh, I, I I go back to the Dan Mullen, uh, Eli Drinkwitz back and forth. I think was was probably my my favorite of uh, of the Drinkwitz shenanigans. But yeah, this is a this is a very hot seat here, uh, and I think you know. While Jimbo's seat may be hotter, I think Drinkwitz is in a worse position going into the season. Yeah, uh, they're they're going to have to rely on their defense. And if their defense is just average, I don't think the offense is going to be able to carry them. Or they're not going to be able to, to follow suit. Billy Napier. I think it's getting warm. However, recruiting is getting a lot better. So I think it's warm. Even a disappointing year, I think he's still going to be able to, to to keep his job. But Billy Napier, listen, everyone was saying that was a home run hire, us included. We thought, hey, that's that's a no-brainer. That's a good move by Florida. Uh, a little underwhelming so far, but I, I don't think I don't think it's full uh man the lifeboats disaster right now. Yeah. Uh here's the thing. It's it's also another one season right like yeah. this is it's his first season there so i think we bumped the brakes a little bit on some of the florida talk obviously they there's a certain standard that they have in gainesville but it was a it was a deal where there was had to be a culture overhaul in in gainesville uh, after the mullen era the other part of this is i think that <laughs> i think that beating utah arguably made this situation worse for him because yeah. it raised expectations so it much. did it did. Yeah, because they were everyone was like, oh, okay, we're going to be in rebuild. He beats Utah and everyone's like, "Oh, we're here. The Billy Napier experience." And then they they lost a whole bunch of games after that. But yeah, I think they're in okay. I think they're in okay shape. They're recruiting a lot better too. This next one, Zach Arnett of Mississippi State. Room temperature just because He's an interim coach. You're taking over after Mike Leach. If they go through this season and it's not good, they might say, hey, we're going to open this thing up again and try and get somebody. But if it's good, they're they're going to keep him. But he's room temperature just because a bad season could could oust him quick. Yeah, uh, it's kind of a weird situation. Uh, you know, it, it's not quite an interim coach, but it's not far from it. it right. I think is is the best way to describe it. Uh, but you know, obviously, we'll see what Arnett does, and it'll be interesting to see what kind of philosophy he adapts because obviously, Arnett's not an air raid guy. No, you know, he's the defensive coordinator stepping in. So we'll, we'll see how it goes, in Mississippi State. I think room temperature is a pretty accurate uh, assessment of where he is in that program. Yeah, which leads us to our last one. Uh, another guy I think is at a, at a room temperature, uh, Sam Pittman. Now, peop, I know that I might be jumping the gun a little bit, but 
everyone, and listen, I love Sam Pittman as a guy, as a character. I think he's great. I think he fits Arkansas perfectly. Had a very success, had a nice successful year in 2021. I believe they got to nine wins. But, you know, you know, played in that Outback Bowl against Penn State. Penn State had about nine starters out on defense, and that's not an exaggeration. And, you know, Arkansas kind of pulled away at the end. Then came into this year, and things kind of cooled off a bit. They they weren't the same team, and they had an electric, a really good quarterback in K.J. Jefferson. So, again, I think this is still room temperature. I think a bad year, it, I think they're still going to keep Sam Pittman, even if he has a bad year. However, another bad year and his seat might be warming a little bit, just a little bit. Yeah. Again, KJ Jefferson got a little banged up at the end of the season. He wasn't healthy for all of it. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, a big part of why there were some issues. Uh, but you look at, I mean, the loss to Texas A&M and AT&T Stadium was obviously not good. There were some some things that happened in that game that made it a little bit wild. There's always <laughs> there's always crazy things that happen in that game. There, there, there always is. But <laughs> then you have the loss to Liberty was not good, and the loss to Mizzou also just mm-hmm. a, a pair of really not great losses. That uh, that Liberty Bowl win over Kansas was an instant classic. Enjoyed that one quite a bit. It was. But, uh, it was Kansas, though. Yeah, and they did sandwich between that. They did have that big win against Ole Miss uh, in Fayetteville, uh, which was a, was a shock to a lot of people. It's just it's the beating of uh, you know playing in the SEC or the Big Ten. I mean, these are just really tough leagues, and if you have some injuries at the wrong times, things go poorly for you. So uh, we'll see. I think uh, I think Sam Pittman's pretty safe for now, uh, just by virtue of. Uh, of a 2021 that bought him a lot of goodwill. Yeah. Uh, but his seat can get hot if, if this, if this year goes South in a hurry, Jay, I'm going to put you on the spot. All right. Are you buying stock in Sam Pittman? Yes or no? No, just because of how difficult that schedule is. Okay. Thank you. Let's move now to the big 12, a super conference this year. A super <laughs> conference this year, the Big 12, is uh, we got to get it out of the way. The hottest seat, maybe in all of college football, Neil Brown. Where is the hot seat for Neil Brown? It is the sun. It is the hottest seat, might be the hottest seat in all of college football. People thought he should have been fired last year, and this is the situation I think. And and I, again, lived in Morgantown for four years. I've been following this program, you know, pretty closely. And I've said this a lot. Neil Brown did not take over a good football culture at West Virginia. However, he didn't fix it. He, well, I shouldn't say that he fixed. I think he fixed the culture side of it. But fixing the culture doesn't always equate to wins. And I think that is what you're seeing with West Virginia right now. I don't think he deserved to be fired after last year. However, I don't like their roster. And I don't see them having many wins. So they're giving him a chance. They're giving him a, they're giving him a gun, but the gun's not loaded. 
that's what's happening in West Virginia. So he he's getting the uh, the wooden gun from the other yeah. guys. <laughs> yeah, that's basically what he's getting. <laughs> he, he's yes, he's getting the wooden gun. It's a gun, but it's not going to shoot anything, and it's not even real. So I think that's what's gonna that's what's happening right now in West Virginia. It's it's a lame duck year. West Virginia again. Did he deserve to be fired after last year? No. But if you this is the year you're saying, hey, make it work. He's. I don't think it's gonna happen. You you have auto. You have Pitt and Penn State in out of conference in the Big Twelve, which top to bottom is extremely competitive and has a lot of parity. It's it's an extremely competitive conference, but you have two non-conference games. You have one against a arguably top five team in Penn State at night in Penn State, and then Pitt comes to town, which which I will be in, uh, in attendance for, uh, for the backyard brawl, which will be very nice. Heck but yeah. I don't – again, they're going to be underdogs. They're going to be underdogs at home. So – if he beats Pitt, if he beats Pitt and gets to six wins, he might save his job. Six uh, wins might save his job. I think he'll have to get a little bit higher than, than six wins, but we'll see. That's not happening. CJ yeah. Donaldson, though, really good running back. Hopefully the offensive line can improve and they can maybe form an identity. Um, but they have they have problems in the secondary. Their defensive up front is losing guys. I just don't know. I just I feel I'm gonna, I'm gonna feel really bad for C.J. Donaldson. I think this is gonna be like a Tank Bigsby uh, situation at Auburn, where he's gonna be like the only person that's yeah. contributing. And like you said, the Big Twelve has changed a little bit this year. Yeah, uh, there are some interesting matchups uh, like BYU, UCF, and Cincinnati, who are now. In conference, yep. the The one I think I'm most excited about is is West Virginia going to Houston and playing Dana Holgerson. I I am extremely excited for that game. I'm extremely excited for that game because there are people who in West Virginia who are still romanticizing Dana, and I don't understand why. Yeah. Some games were fun, but he also lost a lot of games he shouldn't he shouldn't have. And he never had double digit wins. And I think a lot of people are romanticizing Dana for and if you look back, Dana had a lot of he had way more talent than Neil Brown did and only got one or two wins better than him. Yeah. And uh let's uh to be honest with you, I mean this is a good transition here. I think Dana Hogerson may be on the hot seat at Houston. You think so? 2021, great year, mm-hmm. but people were expecting Houston to be the group of five team in 2022. They were. When we had the group of five guys on, we, yeah, I remember we did talk about that. And, I mean, Houston fired Major Applewhite and literally said the, the standard at Houston is not eight wins. Well, that was eight wins last year. Yeah. So, obviously, you know, Dana has the the 12 and 2 season but before that 2020 or sorry 2020 not 202020 that's a little bit further down the road uh 2020 <laughs> Houston goes 3 and 5 uh and 2019 Houston goes 4 and 8 and so that 12 and 2 season looks good but if you're saying that 8 wins is not the standard 
I mean, and here's the other thing. And and listen, we, the American is a solid conference, okay? But now you're in the Big Twelve. Yeah. Okay. You're in, you're in the Big Twelve, and and let's just look at their schedule here. Yeah, UTSA is going to be a battle out the gate. Okay. But let's just say they win. Let's say they win. They beat UTSA. They'll beat Rice. I think TCU is going to be down. I don't know how down. Okay. But let's mark that down as a loss. Sam Houston will be a win. Texas Tech is tough. <laughs> to be fair, it is Sam Houston's first year as a FBS program. Yes. Yes, I, I understand. Sam Houston. <laughs> I, I don't. I see Houston taking care of Sam Houston. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, Texas, Kansas State, Baylor, Cincy, UCF. I, it's going to be hard for them to get to nine wins. Yeah. I mean, especially I am. I'm really excited about that. Uh, that uh, Texas game when Texas comes to town to Houston, I'm going to be out of town because that's NJ away week, but that is going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how packed that stadium is. Huh, that's on August. Sorry. That's on October 21st might be the best day of college football we've ever seen with the amount of matchups that are taking place that week. <laughs> and I'm going to be at South Dakota school of the mines, baby. Send Jay away <laughs> out of all the, Listen, that's awesome that you're going there, but that is like that is peak college football weekend with the amount of matchups ta- ha- taking place, and you're going to be at Colorado School of the Mines, South Dakota School of the Mines. Oh, South Dakota School of the Mines. Sorry. Come on, man. Got to respect our Rocky Mountain Athletic Conference uh, friends. Yes, yes, we we cannot forget about them. But yeah, Houston's going to be really hard for them. Gonna be really hard for them to win. I, I don't know if Dana's on the hot seat. I I did consider putting him on there, but I think he's safe for now. First year in the Big Twelve, I think he gets the seven wins. He'll be okay. But I think in two years he's gonna have to break break through the eight, past eight, I should say. How about Venables? I think he's warm. Venables is warm for sure. I I think it's like, hey, we understand, but you're at Oklahoma, S- six wins. Ain't gonna cut it. So I think another bad year. I think it's really gonna turn up the heat. If it really goes south, he's done. Like if this team doesn't make a bowl game, which I I think they will make a bowl game, but if they don't make a bowl game, bam, he's gone. I think a bowl game bides him sometime, but it, it's gonna be heating up there in Norman. Yeah, again, it's first year coach, but you're also looking at they're about to go to the SEC, which is a little bit concerning. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, I think he still has a little bit of time, but it is a warmer than the normal for a first year coach seat, in my opinion. Okay, I have this might be my hottest take. Matt Campbell, I think, has a warmish seat. I think warmish is different from from warmer. Uh, in this, uh, it may be like a little lukewarm. Lukewarm, you know, like Texas Texas pools when they're out in the summer, they okay. get a little bit like a uh, lukewarm. But it, it's, uh, I think he's still pretty safe, just given what he's done at Iowa State and given the the history of the program, or right. the recent history at least. But I think on the flip side of that, you also got to look at Texas and OU are leaving. So you have a chance to kind of submit your program as one of the better programs in the conference if you uh, 
come together in a hurry. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing with Matt Campbell is that he went seven and six with that team in 2021, where he had a lot of guys back and they had a disappointing 2021 season and then followed up with a with a five win year. Yeah. Or was it four? It was four wins. So that's why I think it's getting warmish. I think if, because again, he's, I understand it's very hard to win at Iowa State, but I also think he, because he set a new standard there, now he's being held to that standard. And as now unfair as that may be, it's unfair because it, it's, it's the blessing and the curse. It's, yeah. hey, we're doing well here, better than we've ever done, but now we're being held to that same standard. Yeah. The standard has changed and he created it. That's, you know, but I think if they don't go bowling again, I think, I think they don't go bowling again. They're going to give him one more year and then they're going to say, Hey, we're trending down. We need change. Yeah. And then sometimes it just gets stagnant as a program. And again, Matt's in his eighth season. So there's going to be, you know, you just gotta, you gotta see some kind of positive there. Okay. To, to keep him on staff. No, absolutely. Okay. Dave Aranda. I'm not saying the seed's hot, but if, and this is not uh, Robbie Lawler either, this is <laughs> Dave Aranda. I mean, the the resemblance is uncanny. Shout out it to is. Robbie Lawler for getting that win in his Big retirement time, yeah. fight. I'm not saying the seat's hot. I, I'm not saying it's lukewarm, but six and seven last year after a Big 12 title. What if he does go six and seven again? Are we still buying? Are we still buying Dave Aranda stock? I think I think a six and seven is is pretty pretty bad. I think uh, if if Baylor finishes below five hundred again, uh, it's going to be a, a hot seat. Uh, with that being said, what he did from from year one in Baylor two and seven to to Baylor at twelve and two, huge turnaround, and obviously that was a, a massive year for that program. But it's a uh, it's definitely interesting to see, to think about, especially with the new Big 12, because I think all these programs are going to be jockeying to be the premier program in the conference with Texas and OU leaving. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it makes you wonder if maybe the, the that's going to hold administration's feet to the fire on things. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens there, but uh, definitely going to be one to watch if, if Baylor has another poor season. I just think that uh, he gets to 2024 at least. Okay. And lastly, um, the Pac-12, not a lot of people on the hot seat, I don't think, in the Pac-12. I think there's one guy that we have to talk about, uh, Justin Wilcox. I think Justin Wilcox is on a warmish seat. I think he's – I know he has an extension for two years. However, not really getting it done. I think they have another disappointing year. I think they're going to cut their losses and, you know, buy him out and then try and start over. Uh, What do you think with Wilcox? Yeah, I just I don't see Wilcox turning around. I think he has the hottest seat in the conference, and I also think he has the least chance of success in the conference. Uh, one that I think could be pretty sneaky is going to be Chip Kelly at UCLA. I think Ooh. that just by nature, the fact that they're about to go to the Big Ten, you look at the overall record, 
Chip Kelly's 27 and 29. He, he's below 500 at UCLA. And last year was supposed to be his big year, and he, it kind of you know, it was okay. It was okay. It was a good year. Uh, nine, nine and four, but you know, you lose. You have a chance at ten wins, and you lose in the Sun Bowl uh, in a game that they really, really should have won. I was so mad. So <laughs> mad. Oh man! But uh, okay. no, it's it's. I think Chip Kelly could secretly be on the hot seat just because of the nature of the conference move. Okay. But I, I do still think that Wilcox is the most obvious hot seat and, you know, also the most obvious likely not going to have a good season. Yeah, absolutely. So here we go. Let's go top five, top five hot seats. Let's run through this here. Top five hot seats. Jay, you're number five. So we just talked about him. Uh, Justin Wilcox is is my top, is my number five. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think that the fact that he just has had no success at Cal uh, makes this kind of a, a do or die season. I just think it leans towards a die. All right. Uh, my five is going to be uh, Tom Allen. We understand Indiana is a rough place to play. However, he just doesn't have the roster right now, and I think it might be time. I think maybe his shtick might be getting a little bit old. Um, but He's got a lot of veterans, so who knows? Maybe they can pull off uh, a decent year. Uh, Jay, you're four. I have Jeff Halfley, uh, Boston College. I just think that, you know, like you said, the the fact that that uh, Adazio is at least getting to bowl games. Uh, Halfley hasn't had that success, and Jurgovich he had last year is gone, and it was supposed to be a big year. Didn't live up to that standard, so now it's uh, a lot of pressure. Yep. Uh, my four, Eli Drinkwitz. Uh, it's do or die. He's got to get it done. If he doesn't have a good year, he's gone. Yep. My number three here, Jimbo Fisher. I will give the caveat of saying that I think he lessens the heat this year with a big 2023, but I have to admit that his seat is incredibly hot right now uh, just because of the nature of the program at A&M, and they also want to be looking their best with Texas coming to the conference in 2024. Yep. My three, Jeff Halfley. Uh uh, Steve Aduzio was um, he was fired for less, um, and Jeff Halfley hasn't really he hasn't turned that corner yet in the program. So I think he's in a he's in a rough spot. Yep. So you talked about him at your number four. I have him at my number two, Eli Drinkwitz, uh, just because of you know the the probably the disappointment that Mizzou fans feel and the fact that he hasn't finished above 500 and i think that maybe just the uh the brashness of Drinkwitz may also rub people the wrong way without the success yeah uh so that that one two punch has uh Drinkwitz as my number 2 top 5 hot seats okay my two hot seat which is also your number 1 hot seat from our spoiler note. alert spoiler alert uh it's neil brown <laughs> uh the only and neil brown we've already talked about it just hasn't done, hasn't set, hasn't gotten to where West Virginia fans want. Hasn't really fixed the on-field product after Holgerson may have fixed the culture, but the on-field just isn't there. And he has a bare cupboard this year. He's got the wooden gun from the other guys. So this is not good. And then my number one, it again, uh, just with everything last weekend, Jay has already wrote it off as a definite firing so he didn't list it but uh pat fitzgerald definitely has the hottest seat it was definitely at least warm going into this and now it's extremely hot and his days are probably numbered at northwestern 
Yeah, again, I have uh, Neil Brown number one because I'm assuming that Pat Fitzgerald is gone. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if within a week of this episode that that uh, he's out, depending on what the administration does. Uh, Neil Brown, as uh, I just think he has the highest hill to climb. Uh, from and maybe that's from talking to West Virginia fans last year, but uh, they're just kind of done with with Neil Brown up there. And honestly, like I think he's an incredibly likable coach. I hope he somehow pulls off a miracle and West Virginia goes on to have a fantastic season up in Morgantown. But I, I just unfortunately I don't see it happening, and that's why I have Neil Brown at my number one spot on the top five hot seats. Nice wordplay with the with the climb. Oh, you love it. <laughs> Thank you guys for tuning in once again. From us at the Get Back Coach, have a great week.